Do you have some clients that need more than what your current cloud accounting software can offer? More robust inventory tracking, more connections to online sales channels, more users, more permissions, more reports, more control, more customization, more flexibility? Stay tuned to hear more from our sponsor, Accounting Suite, later in the podcast. Hello, everyone. It's Awesome Minaj. Tax season is officially here. And I know how stressful that can be. Let's go ahead and talk about 1040 forms. 1040. 1040. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Giraffe. Giraffe sounds a lot like giraffe, and that's no accident. Giraffes are the tallest animal in the world. That gives them a great view. Our goal at Giraffe is to give you a similarly great view of what's going on with your business. We do that by helping you understand where your business has been, and most importantly, predict where it's going. Giraffe connects your cloud-based accounting, payroll, CRM, and billing data together to automatically update shareable online dashboards, monthly reporting packages, and sophisticated financial plans and budgets in real time. Learn how accounting firms are using Giraffe to deliver connected insight, strategize growth, and help their clients make more profitable decisions. Visit giraffe.com and start your 30-day free trial. That's J-I-R-A-V.com. See farther with Giraffe. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by BQE Core. As firms everywhere are positioning themselves to work remotely, BQE Software is committed to supporting you and your employees during this critical time. BQE's core products operate 100% on a native cloud platform that's uniquely able to help you in your efforts to embrace remote work while maintaining your productivity. In response to the impact that COVID-19 has had on your firm and your clients' businesses, the team at BQE has let us know that the Cloud Accounting Podcast listeners will now receive three months of BQE Core for free with an annual subscription package purchased on or before September 30th, 2020. To learn more, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash core. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash C-O-R-E. Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. Well, it's July 12th, and uh, I just remembered that I need to do my taxes. Tax day is coming up. Oh, yeah, three days. Three days. I've got three days to get it together. I don't, I don't really want to. I'm guessing for a lot of our listeners, though, right? By the time they listen to this, they'll be done with tax day. So we should say, congratulations and welcome back. You made it. You've made it to the end. Uh, uh, just in time. I've got some tax stories this week about tax fees jumping significantly. So that's some good news. Uh, I, I suppose if you are reaping the benefits of that yourself as a partner, it's nice to know that tax fees are rising more quickly over the last two years than in the past. And I've also got, of course, a ton of PPP news. The PPP loan amounts were released by the SBA and Treasury last week, I think on the day we recorded, so we missed it. But that's good because there's been a whole week of news all about all the people who received the PPP. Oh, and it's just great headlines. Oh, yeah. Like the, like, like the headlines we could just read and read and read and read, which <laughs> I, I feel like that summarizes the whole week. Like, should we just start with the PPP? Should we start with... Yeah, let, let's, you know? do, let's do the PPP. That's the big news. All right, the big news. Let's so the uh, if, if you missed it, the big news is that on July 6th, Treasury and the SBA released loan-level data regarding PPP loans. 
all loans over $150,000 were reported with names, addresses, NAICS codes, the industry code, zip codes, business type, demographic data, nonprofit information, the name of the lender, and the number of jobs that were supposedly supported by the PPP loans, allegedly. Uh, and then a range. So they didn't give the exact loan amounts, but they gave a range such as between 350,000 and 1 million or between 1 and 2 million. Because it was only loans over $150,000, it's only about 15 to 25% of the loan dollars approved. All the loans below $150,000 stayed anonymous. And the SBA just released aggregated information. So David, I want to ask you, of all the headlines that came out this week, uh, what were your what were your favorite? Who are your favorite famous PPP loan recipients? So I have, you know, all my articles are up here, right? And I have all my headlines and they also have the little thumbnails of images. And just to show you how vast and wide this went. So one of them is about, it's a picture of the West End and Cleveland and how a Ukraine money laundering company uh, from a decade ago is tied to this loan here. Uh, I got a picture of Kanye West and his company. Yes. Uh, Grinder, the dating app, which um, I actually thought was the, my funniest of all because, okay, I'm going to go back to like seventh grade humor. Grinder, the dating app, they were able to retain 69 jobs. <laughs> I thought that was a little bit funny. <laughs> really? <laughs> so there's that. Um, and then millions uh, for hate groups. So I got a yep. picture of a Confederate flag, religious organizations, PF Changs again. The, my favorite, Anne Ran Institute. Yes. They took a loan. Okay. Uh, I was going to save that one for you because that, that is my best. But you saw that, obviously. Anne Rand, author of, or Ayn Rand, I should say, Atlas Shrugged, The Fountainhead. The, the whole philosophy of objectivism where you should not be dependent on the government at all. The organization that promotes her ideas took a PPP loan. Just this irony of that is fantastic. Um, Grover Norquist, the famous anti-tax guy who once said, I don't want to abolish government. I simply want to reduce it to the size where I can drag it into the bathroom and drown it in the bathtub, took a PPP loan. At least his organization, his libertarian organization did. You mentioned Kanye West and Yeezy. It's a billion-dollar company, received uh, millions of dollars. Catholic Church got a bunch of money, which, depending on your position on the Catholic Church, that's uh, either good or bad, given that a bunch of these dioceses that got the money also are paying millions of dollars into settlements for sexual abuse cover-ups. You mentioned a few others, P.F. Chang's. Uh, I had Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam, the band. Oh, I mean, they got a loan between 350k and a million. Jeff Koons, the famous artist, he got a loan of one to two million, or at least his business did. And fun fact: Robert Mnuchin, the current Treasury Secretary's dad, once bought one of his paintings last year for 91 million dollars. The Soho House Members Only Club, TGI Fridays, Church of Scientology got a loan. Paul Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi's husband. Uh, one of his businesses got that. Uh, and of course, a bunch of businesses connected to Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump got loans. I thought that the, like there were some political outlets or some news outlets that tried to go after the Trumps for this. And I felt like it kind of fell flat because basically everybody took this money right, on both sides of the aisle, liberal, Democrat, Republican, uh, conservative, as we, as we saw libertarian even, which I think is the, the funniest thing about all this. Everybody's being called out. And there's an article from Stephen Brown. He and his wife have an accounting firm, uh, Ledger Gurus, and he wrote an article on LinkedIn, a, a you know editorial type article about the Let the Paycheck Protection Program shaming end. Mm -hmm. 
um, because this is very, it's very headline based. It's very sensationalized. And, you know, he, he tells a story about how their firm themselves, they took a loan and um, how it really helped them. And then to see the help that it's caused for all their clients as well. Right. Right. And so there's a lot of good that has come out of the PPP loan from the people that actually got the money. But in a way, like I don't have a problem with who got the money. My thing is it was stacked unfairly Mm. in the beginning. Right. Yeah. As we have. And it was supposed to be first come first serve and it was not set up to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, As long as the money was take, the loans were taken out. And the money was used to pay employees on payroll, and that all reconciles through. I don't think there's problems with this, but you're right. It made great headlines this week, but as soon as you dig into the articles, there's really not much there over and over and over again. Well, and some businesses knew that the negative PR was coming and wisely decided not to take the money. Venture capital companies in particular were very aggressive with telling their portfolio companies not to apply for PPP money. But one of them got caught up in some of the loan database errors. I don't know if you saw this story on CNBC. It came out right after the the big CSV file came out from uh, SBA. Uh, apparently, two big names were on that list in the in the tech world. Bird, the scooter company, got listed as having received a loan, and so the press was going after them. Apparently, they only talked with their bank about applying, but they never did. But they got on this list because the bank. It sounds like the bank applied for them in advance, but then never filled out the loan or never completed the loan. So this is one of the issues with the whole SBA database and process that we've pointed out in the past, which is that the information is only flowing one way to the SBA. That document, the big CSV file that's like 125 you know, megabytes with you know the hundreds of thousands of loans on it, that's just what was applied for, not necessarily what was actually dispersed. So we only have a partial picture in this information and there are a lot of errors. So Bird is listed even though they never received it. A Wisconsin woman named Geraldine Brimley is listed as having been approved for a loan worth up to $10 million, an individual. She apparently- she, I think for the article, <laughs> did she only get like 3,200 or something? So completely- she, she applied for 9,300, less than 10,000 through Radius Bank. She only received 2,300. But because of an error, when somebody entered her loan, they put in a bunch of extra zeros. So it, it showed her as having applied for $9.3 million, And that's what made it onto the SBA's spreadsheet. So, you know, she was obviously very confused when CNBC contacted her to try to find out how she as an individual got a loan for that amount. And something close to our industry in particular, our world, Pilot, the online accounting bookkeeping company, is listed. So... This is very strange. Index Ventures, the firm that in, it was one of the investors in Pilot, right? Pilot is like Scale Factor, one of those accounting firms with engineers. Their firm, their VC firm, one of their investors, Index Ventures, was listed in this document as having been approved for a 2 to $5 million loan. So the CNBC and the press started calling up Index Ventures because they're one of the only ones. And apparently, it's listed as Pilot having applied for the loan, but somehow Index Ventures' name got on the list. So... The question is, did Pilot get an SBA PPP loan? And if so, is Index Ventures going to make them give it back? Like, this is all a big deal because they are, you know, uh, VC funded, right? And it's kind of like considered bad form to take a loan if you're VC funded. A little bit of a PR nightmare, I imagine, for the folks over at Pilot. 
Well, well going concern uh, is tracking. So they have a, so they have already apparently been tracking a uh, layoff database or layoff spreadsheet of top 100 firms mm-hmm. who are laying people off. So they've been tracking this during the COVID pandemic. But now they've crisscrossed it with the people who have taken out loans. And so they're now they're tracking, you know, of the top 100 accounting firms who've taken out PPP loans because that's in the data as well. Yes. A lot of firms got PPP loans. So I'm also cross-referencing this with the CPA Trendlines analysis that they did. CPA Trendlines says that 6,610 tax accounting, payroll, and bookkeeping firms so far received millions in SBA PPP money. And then you have that going concern article with the top 100 firms. Some Somebody on Reddit went through and correlated the firms with the accounting today top 100 list. So this is really interesting. Yeah, it's, it's a crisscross of some data from uh, ProPublica as well. Yeah. But again, like this was a great headline, right? Here are the accounting firms that receive PPP loans because we know you want to know. And essentially, it's just kind of like a blanket report of data. Yeah. And it, like, I, it's not even, it, 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 it was more exciting to read as the headline than when I sat down to digest it and look at it. I was like, okay, they're just, somebody just crisscrossed all this data. And ultimately, if anybody should be taking these loans out, it should be the accounting firms because they're the ones that had to employ people to actually process them for everybody else. Well, but there's also a question as to, did these firms really need the money? Did they have that uh, need, given that accounting firms are busier than they've ever been? We have more work than we can handle. Isn't that what everyone's complaining about? And that was supposedly one of the first qualifying factors is you have this economic uncertainty. Right. Which just proves that that term is completely meaningless. If 68 firms on the Counting Today Top 100 list, who are probably busier than they've ever been because they're helping clients with PPP, everybody's needing new cash flow projections. I mean, if you're a good accountant, you have more work than you can handle right now, as long as you're willing to do different things than you've done in the past, right? So 68 firms out of the top 100 got these loans. I think everybody above 20 was too big because you had to have 500 or fewer employees. And of those 68, eight of them have done layoffs or have cut pay. So that includes Car Riggs and Ingram, Friedman, Prager Metis, Whitley Penn, Burden, Aprio, Grassi & Co., and Singer Lewak. Singer, for instance, laid off 25% of their staff and got a 2 to $5 million PPP loan. And the spreadsheet says that they retain 291 jobs. But I guess you can do that, right? You can lay off 25% of your staff and get a reduced forgiveness amount because you have to keep 75% of your staff. There's 75% yeah, of your and, payroll. And you place. didn't have to take the loan out for your entire payroll either. Right. Right, you could have figured, hey, in the, when this is all said and done, we're only going to have seventy-five employees, and just take out the loan for seventy-five employees. And then, if you have a layoff, it's not you're not breaking any part of the yeah, deal you, here. You, you can keep partial good. forgiveness, right? You can make that choice. Yeah. So uh, interesting, right? Um, and there's some comments in the thread. Goodwill impairment said it's super frustrating that our elected officials did not make these loans need based. I saw a ton of businesses that remained open and are likely in their best fiscal year ever. They took out loans that essentially act as a bonus for the owners. And then a reply to the comment is, if that were the case, it would have taken months at best to get the money issued. They said that they knew it wouldn't all go to the places that needed it, but they wanted the money to be issued and jobs to be saved as soon as possible. Had they waited, people would have been asking what took so long. So that's your argument, David, in the past, which is we got to get the stimulus money out as quickly as possible. So you know, we can't put all these strings attached to it, right? Yeah, it can't be locked up. Like, yeah. like it just like the point is, it has to be spent. Right. Right. 
it's got to get out there and spent. So there's some good positive PVP news. Okay, what's that? It's kind of out there. So uh, a couple of things that are I- interesting. Uh, the AICPA had another uh, one of their weekly webinars. The real takeaways in this is, A, people are going to be doing forgiveness applications all the way into 2021. And then they're kind of half hinting that we're going to see a lot more clarity and more sophisticated forgiveness tools and finally more complete guidance. There's so many questions that need to be answered to just kind of wait before you apply for forgiveness. Well, that's why they're saying don't apply now, wait uh, until we have more information. Yeah. And so that's why what's going to push all this into the fall is, is, is quite a long timeline in terms of the deadline for applying for forgiveness. We got it quite a while. And then your buddy, Steven Mnuchin, he is talking about they want to do another PPP. They want to do an extension. Mm-hmm. And he's working with uh, Mark Rubio and Ben Cardin. So it's cross cross party lines uh, on doing another extension. But this extension would be super, super targeted to just businesses that really need the money and small businesses. So he's talking about that. That's on the table. The whole we were talking about before the PPP four with the four P's. <laughs> yes. Right. So if you've given if you've taken a loan and you've used it, there's going to be this program too take another loan, that's starting to come down the pipe as well. But he does get into a little bit about PPP forgiveness. And this is where we talked about before 100% rubber staff forgiveness mm-hmm. could be coming. So he said, in terms of PPP loan forgiveness, the vast majority of these loans were hardworking businesses where the money went to pay employees and they will be forgiven. Mnuchin indicated that PPP loans in excess of $2 million will go through a thorough review before they are forgiven. So essentially, he would... The way, the way he's saying this is if it's more than $2 million, it's going to get reviewed. If it's under $2 million, it's just going to be forgiven. Like, I think we're going to see rubber stamp forgiveness come through. We're talking millions and millions of loans. They're going to have to be really picky. So, so by the way, if you want to go look at this data for yourself, ProPublica put together an interactive website where you can dig into the PPP loan data. It's at projects.propublica.org slash coronavirus slash bailouts. And it's really cool. You can put in your zip code and you can see what companies got PPP loans over 150K in your zip code. You can put in an industry. You can put in a specific business name. You can put in a business type. Just type it into the search and it filters the list for you. Really neat. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Accounting Suite. Accounting Suite is cloud accounting software that acts like a customizable ERP system. It lets you start out with just the features you need today. And in the future, as your business grows, you can easily add Accounting Suite extensions to give you the features you need. A major strength of Accounting Suite is its robust set of inventory management tools. It includes multi-channel inventory and has many integrations to many online stores like ShipStation, Shopify, and Square. You can track inventory levels, orders, sales, and deliveries from anywhere at any time. Accounting Suite has an extension for multi-channel online sales. After connecting your online marketplaces, Accounting Suite will download all your transactions for you to approve prior to entry into the accounting system. It's similar to working with bank feeds. Accounting Suite is offering Cloud Accounting Podcast listeners 50% off forever by using the promo code CAP underscore 50 underscore 2020. To take advantage of this exciting offer and to learn more about how Accounting Suite offers an upgradable path for your firm and company's future, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash ASUITE. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash A-S-U-I-T-E. Accounting Suite is here to help you grow. So we've talked about Wells Fargo in the past. Yes. Because of boneheaded things Wells Fargo's done, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, well, Wells Fargo has actually done something really interesting with their PPP loan. So they brought in $400 million in processing fees from processing PPP loans. Mm-hmm. And what they're, they're going to do with it, and it's sure, it's a safe face, but hey, they're stepping up. They're doing it. They're going to take that $400 million and turn it into a uh, small business aid program. I don't know if it's, it's grant-based or loan-based, but essentially they're going to create a fund to really help um, small businesses and, and nonprofit organizations, which is kind of good, right? They're, they just didn't pocket that $400 million and they're putting it back to work for small businesses. Yeah. And I read that Chase and B of A are doing something similar. They took in even more in fees from the PPP, something like one or two or up to $3 billion in fees. So they are going to, they have committed to donate their profits from the PPP to something charitable that targets small businesses, targets their their clients, basically. And for those who have forgotten, the banks actually did pretty darn well in taking in $24 billion in fees from all of this. And some of the smaller institutions, more than 30 banks who did PPP loans, could earn this year as much from the PPP loans as they reported in net revenue for all of 2019. That's according to S&P Global Market Intelligence. They did pretty good. And I haven't heard much recently about any of those agent fees being honored or anything like that. So I, I don't think that's going to happen. There were the CPA firms who were angling to you know, force the, the banks to pay agent fees. And there was a lawsuit that I guess people were being recruited, a class action lawsuit against the banks to force them to pay the agent fees. But I, I haven't heard anything about that. Probably that'll take years to, to go through the courts. So I have an article about a small uh, bank that became a top 10 PPP lo- lender. Or actually, they came th- they're number 13 of all the U.S. lenders. It's uh, New Jersey Bank Cross River. So they distributed $5.4 billion in PPP funds. So I used Cross River. That's how I got okay. my PPP loan. They had a, an online application through their website, and it was like super easy. And I was really impressed. Yeah. And so what they did is they automated the process. So they, when it was all said and done, their entire net revenue last year was $96 million. They pulled down $160 million in fees. Wow. And, the, and so they, I mean, they did more than City. They did more than BNY, right? They, they just had this home run. And the way they did it is they partnered with all the tech companies. Mm. So, yes, they'll probably have to share this revenue, but they partnered with Gusto, Cabbage, Veeam, QuickBooks. And so they, they basically... Uh, turn the gears behind a lot of those loan programs because they built um, APIs and automation and mm-hmm. figure out what they could automate. And they didn't have, you've heard about these, these bank stories of these people working 40 hours a day, just processing the loans physically, yes. the paperwork for these loans. And they just automated the whole process. And because of that, we're able to compete with the big boys. That's amazing. And then on top of that, they didn't have a lot of bugs. Like they just were a well-oiled machine. Mm-hmm. So they just crushed it. So it's kind of a good story. And kind of transitions us out of PPP into apps and tech, maybe. I don't know, unless you have another PPP story. No, we can jump into, I want to hit tax, but we can jump into app news first. So Zero had a, they had their uh, blog post of some new features that were in Zero, And I think the big takeaway there is, you know, there's a lot of this catch up, right? Uh, you can do one thing in QuickBooks and you can do it in Zero, And one thing in Zero you can do in QuickBooks. So now so now that QuickBooks rolled out the ability to email in bills to mm-hmm. QuickBooks Online, and then they rolled that out in Australia, and now Zero you can email a bill to Zero. 
see, I thought you could do this already. I thought this was a thing that existed. I saw this too, and it didn't make sense to me. But I don't well, know. I think it, I think it was just receipts before, and now you can send bills. Oh, okay. And so, so you zero got hub doc. Then you could send those first. Then QuickBooks built their own, and that was just receipts. Then QuickBooks added bills, and now zero added bills. Gotcha. But, but so, so so you can now email bills to zero. This functionality is available to all customers on starter, standard, or premium plan, early growing and established plans in the U.S. So it sounds like you can do this in the U.S. as well. It's just not in Australia. And so now you can do receipts and bills through email. Oh, there's one that I really like that I used in this update. Now you can export to PDF from the layout editor of all your reports in Zero. the new type of reports. They've still got the old ones, but then they've got that new layout editor. And so now when you are editing and you're, you're laying out the report, which is in a separate screen you can preview it very quickly so that you don't have to then save the layout and then go view the published report. Like save so much time, so much better that way. Oh, like, so the previous workflow was like, it, it prints to a PDF and you have to go open that up in your PDF. You're like, Oh, I don't like how that's laid out. So the, delete it. the previous workflow was actually worse than that. It was, you go into the layout editor, you lay out the report using the hierarchy. Then you save that that takes you back to the the view of the report in your web browser. And then you have to click a drop down to export to PDF to see what it actually looks like printed out. So it was like a three-step process. It was terrible. And this is, this is much easier. So was this on one of your lists? You know, you had your list of zero issues you've always wanted fixed forever. Did they finally solve one uh, of Blake's list issues? No, no, this was like uh, not even on the list because I'm, I'm still annoyed that uh, you can't do a recurring spend money or receive money transaction. I think that's like the most idiotic thing. I've like, been, uh, if I have an automatic debit from my bank account for my rent, I don't want to have to make a recurring bill that then matches up with that debit. I just want to put in a spend money transaction on that date every month. You know, it's anyway, I won't, I, I won't go is, off on a rant. It's the same thing though. In QuickBooks, I is I always, whenever I view in, open invoices, right? Or the invoices screen, right? I always click and sort the date column in reverse order. Cause I want the newest ones at the top of the report, right? right? The ones I just recently entered, not an invoice I made in January to be at the top of the report. And then I've been doing a lot of, I've been doing a lot of zoom calls with accountants lately. And they all do the same thing. As soon as they get there, they click the date and resort it. And I'm like, yeah, this is a, a problem. Yeah, like, it should just stick with how you sorted it the last time. It should just remember, right? Yeah. It's such <sighs> a simple little thing that would be a huge victory for everybody. The amount of wasted clicking, that that date doesn't stick. It's it's um, so annoying. And these are the things that really bug us, but they never seem to get priority because they don't bring in new users, right? They're not big, flashy features that generate revenue. But I, I think they do long-term because people get frustrated with enough, these little things and they're like, screw it. You know, I'm going to go to some other system. <sighs> so what else? Uh, oh, Square bought Stitch Labs. Square is the, you know, giant payment processor. Stitch Labs, what is that for our listeners who aren't familiar? So Stitch Labs is kind of an inventory player. They, when e-commerce really started coming on and, and there was really hard ways to get your e-commerce data into accounting systems. And arguably, it's not perfect yet, right? right? I think there's some, some companies are doing it better than others, but yeah. it's still a little messy to get your e-commerce data moved into your accounting system because inventories have to be kept uh, in order, especially if you're on multiple e-commerce systems. Right? Yes. Like how do you, if you sell a medium shirt on this site, the inventory's got to be updated on the other site. And so they kind of played, they're stitching all of those things together. So they built up some expertise and some inventory management, channel management, fulfillment, and those types of things. So- 
they got acquired by Square, which means Square, because Square has their whole seller organization. Yep. Square wants to get into the inventory game a little bit. Well, and, and this makes total sense, right? Because Square started out for in-person point of sale transactions, like with their little card swiper. But that's not exactly the best business to be in right now because traffic into physical stores is declining or has, you know, since the pandemic started. So, and Stitch is perfectly positioned for multi-channel e-commerce. Shopify is coming after Square. Square is going after Shopify. This is a way to make Square um, more robust on the e-commerce side of the business. Mm -hmm. The interesting takeaway in here, um, because I know some people have used Stitch Labs before with their clients and connecting it to QuickBooks. I think a lot of people always thought it was a little on the expensive side. So Square already has stated Stitch Labs won't take on any new customers and the product will continue to operate for existing customers until spring of 2021. But longer term, they just plan to sunset the whole thing and let the team focus on building tools for Square. So this really reminds me of QuickBooks and Intuit's acquisition of Lettuce. It's probably five years ago, six, seven, maybe seven years ago now. Intuit acquired uh, Lettuce apps, mm-hmm. which with Lettuce apps was a really small add-on for QuickBooks that did inventory. And the thought was that's going to become the inventory of QuickBooks Online. Basically, it's the same, same model, right? Buy it, kill the app, and kind of use that team to bring their knowledge and Etc. to the existing platform. So it seems very, very similar to that, that acquisition that Intuit made of Lettuce back in the day. And then uh, kind of some small news, Venmo is now going to introduce a feature to allow business payments. So like right now, you've, you've probably even done it. You've probably paid somebody. Like I've done it. I think I've paid a landscaper. I think I've paid a house cleaner before on Venmo. Just now I know it's not a business account. Mm-hmm. But they're they're avoiding fees, so they just have their Venmo set up, and I pay them the money. I mean, ultimately, it's on them, right? If it's not a business expense for me, it's on them. If I'm just a consumer, but so they're they're tipping their toes into the um, small businesses to accept payments. I saw an article that Zelle is also going to now offer the ability for peer to peer payments for small businesses as well. Gotcha. Their clients. Canopy did a survey of tax prep fees and. There was a big jump in the last two years. That's the big takeaway from the survey that tax prep fees increased by over 10% uh, in two years. And normally it's about 5% a year. So last two years, it's it's basically increased annually at a double the rate, which makes sense given all of the changes in the tax system that have happened recently, right? That's and when- so these are fees that I'm going to charge my clients to do their returns. Yes. So, uh, and it's broken down by- the type of the firm. So for an itemized 1040, the percent fee increase over two years was 11% on average. A 1040 with Schedule C, also 11%. Now a non-itemized 1040, that went up 26%. Oh, and one other little tidbit from the survey, flat fee billing has become much more popular now. 81% of respondents are using flat fee billing for tax returns versus the 19% that are still using hourly billing. That's huge jump. Yeah. Uh, although we don't know how many previously were using flat fee versus hourly. That's not detailed here uh, over time. But I mean, it seems like a lot, right? It seems like a lot more than in the past. Yeah. Because I mean, I've seen surveys about this like from Intuit before. Like, I just don't remember it being in the 80% range. So the tax day is, of course, July 15th, and, which is in three days as we record this. Uh, we talked last episode about how the AICPA declined to advocate for an extension uh, or not an extension, a delay of the tax deadline to the fall. But they are, interestingly, advocating for the IRS to waive failure to file and failure to pay penalties until 
October 15th automatically. So I, I was confused as to like, what is the difference? If you're going to waive the penalties, you know, why not just push the deadline out? I guess the the reasoning here, which kind of now makes sense to me, is that you want to start the statute of limitations sooner rather than later, because you know the longer you wait, then the longer the IRS has to do audit. So you, you start it now and you get them to waive the penalties. So it's effectively delaying uh, the deadline, right? Effectively in many ways, but it also pressures your clients to get their paperwork in because they know the deadline is July 15th and not October 15th. So it's kind of like the best of both worlds. It actually is kind of making a lot of sense to me, like kind of a clever approach. Um, and then the last bit of tax news I've got is President Trump's tax returns. Believe it or not, we're still talking about that four years later. Nobody ever got to see Trump's tax returns before the last election. And it looks like we are not going to see them before this upcoming election. The U.S. Supreme Court issued a few decisions. Uh, they basically said that the state of New York can still seek President Trump's tax returns. That they're not barred from that completely but they also stopped the House from getting them before the election. So the takeaway is after the election, at some point, the state of New York might be able to get Donald Trump's tax returns. The The big thing uh, in terms of presidential power, it was actually a big decision in that the court rejected the Trump administration's argument that the president is completely immune. A sitting president is completely immune from prosecution. So they put a high bar on it, but they said that the state can still proceed. Which I think is good, right? Because do we really want a sitting president who is completely immune from all prosecution? I don't think so. I don't think very many people would uh, want that. Yeah, I think it's a sound decision. I mean, they're not. Um, we're not constitutional lawyers here, but you're right. Like it, it's the the precedence of hey, just lets me be immune to all laws doesn't really make a lot of sense. I mean, the president is not above the law, but it's also difficult because you don't want the president getting bogged down in lawsuits by the opposing party constantly all the time right so it's a tough uh, unless they bring it on themselves <laughs> <laughs> yes but i agree right like it's this is unprecedented the the volume of this that's happening on there i kind of have some tax related okay so this goes back to the old stuff we we covered before the remember uh turbo tax the free file all this, this seems like down. a long time ago seems forever yeah well it's it's bubbled up again so there's a show on netflix and I don't even know how to dis- describe the show. It's called Patriot Patriot Act, and the ho- it's a it's a single host guy. He um, I would argue is a comedian, but what he does is he takes a a topic for about a half hour, twenty five minutes, and he goes really deep on one topic. Oh yeah, this is the show with uh, Hassan Minaj. Yes, and he went deep on why doing taxes is so hard, and essentially covered the whole. Which we talked about for episode after episode after episode of the TurboTax Free File Alliance and the Google um, suppression with the Google AdWords and mm-hmm. the you know this has been covered really deeply. He even played the same clip that we played on our show. I gotta so, watch this. So if you if you listen to us, like it's you're not going to learn anything new from doing this. But the fact that it's so mainstream, like being covered like this is kind of, is pretty amazing. But what he did, which is like really genius. And I don't know why nobody's done this in a decade. Like, so he created a website that says TurboTaxSuccess.com. <laughs> and, and it's so simple. All he did is he went and he got the free file link for TurboTax, H&R Blocks, Tax Act, Tax Slayer, Easy Tax Return. Uh-huh. So, so they went, because all of these companies have doing the same game, right? They've been hiding the, 
free file link, right? Yeah, and yeah. You into the paywall and blah, 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 blah. Well, the IRS has a webpage like this already that you can go to and get links to every one of these. Like, so it's not like the, anything's new here, but the fact that nobody else has really taken the time to do this before, just spin up a one-page site with the five links on it, which would just solve this confusion. And so he's done that. He made fake commercials for it and everything. So, so it's worth a watch. If you have Netflix, go watch this and um, go to the site. It's TurboTaxSucksAss.com. Okay, so there's this one video on there. The title is Hassan Does Tax ASMR. Do you know what ASMR is? I think it's like when people make, they do sounds into microphones and some people like really, really like hearing like people eating. Oh yeah. He has it. That's it. It's a really long, like 20 minute. Uh, it's like a 15 minute promo video he has that doesn't even get into the details of the actual thing. All right. I, I'm just going to play a little bit of this video for our listeners. Hello everyone. It's awesome. Minaj. Tax season is officially here. And I know how stressful that can be. That's why I put together this soothing ASMR video to help you relax. So go ahead, put this on in the background, and let's begin. Let's go ahead and talk about 1040 forms. 1040. 1040. Now, now he's like running his hands over Go at ahead. 1040. Pull it out. Make sure you unclip them. So that's TurboTaxSucksAss.com. Wow. And, and he even had like a slide from Intuit. It had the old Intuit logo on it. So that slide had to be at least 12 years old maybe older. So he like, mm. so he had like, it was pretty, he had some video of Brad Smith doing the moonwalk in India. So it, it's, it's worth watching. I mean, I don't think if you've, if you're listening to the cloud accounting podcast and you were following the story, you're not going to really learn anything new on it, but also, you know, it is because you and I are a little bit more in this in the weeds more. You actually also, because of that, like I know the parts where maybe he wasn't totally correct. Well, what did he miss? So he made it out that Intuit and the tax companies are the ones that 100%, no matter what, are the ones keeping the government from doing any tax reform, right? And missing the point that there's a whole set of people in this country that actually believe that the IRS should not be doing our taxes for us and just sending us a signed statement. So he kind of left out that piece of it. I, I really feel like they, they but I, I mean, this was done to attack TurboTax specifically and rightfully so. I mean- the ProPublica, I mean, the, the research has been done. It's hard to deny what happened. But again, like if people have never heard about it, if, the, you know, for the millions of people that don't listen to the Cloud Accounting Podcast and just watch things on Netflix, they're going to be exposed to this story now. Well, it's good. You need to make this stuff interesting, right? Because if, if, if it's not interesting, then people don't pay attention. The only way you get change to happen is enough people have to pay attention. So, well, I'm and so yeah, mad. We're not, we we're not that entertaining. Up, we should have spun up a one-page site. Presented by the, like, like, why didn't we do this? I'm, it, and it's, it's, uh, that's what I'm really upset about. We should have spun up a one page site and had a link to all five of these links on here. Well, next time, next time, David. Easy, uh, easy. We have day jobs. So, did we get any reviews this week? No reviews this week. Oh. No. So, if you want to leave us a review, we really appreciate that. Where's the best place for people to do that, David? Uh, Apple iTunes. 
is always easy to do. You can do that right, I think, from inside the it's app. It's Apple right? Podcast. Apple Podcast, Apple Podcast. You can do that right from inside the app. And then Podchaser is good because then that is really for the non-Apple people. And that populates across a bunch of players eventually. So review us on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Let us know what you think. You can actually write that in the review and we will read it on the air. If you want, you can give us a call. We have a number. It is 202-695-1040. That is 202-695-1040. Leave us a message. We'll take a listen and we might even play it on the air. And if people want to get in touch with you, David, where can they do that? I'm at David Leary on Twitter and I'm at David Leary on LinkedIn. If you contact me on LinkedIn, at least just say you listen to the show. Like the amount of inbound I get on there, of which I'm sure are robots, is uh, out of control. You can find me on Twitter at Blake T. Oliver. And until next week, David, stay cool, stay healthy. Enjoy your vacation, folks. Time for the classifieds. Still sending spreadsheets of unclassified expenses to clients? With ClientHub, automate this process and get client answers instantly. ClientHub is a client communication platform that helps you consolidate client communication, securely share files, and instantly get answers and much, much more. Get started today with a free trial at clienthub.app and enter promo code CAP25 for 25% off your first three months. ClientHub, frictionless client communication. Smancha integrates with QuickBooks Online and Zero to help put an end to cash flow problems by using daily, weekly, and monthly forecasts, cash flow calendars, and powerful customized what-if scenarios. You can visualize your clients' finances in clear and intuitive ways so you can take action and reshape their cash flow by getting them the funding with one simple application. It identifies when extra cash is needed and can match your clients with multiple financing options via more than 50 screen lenders, and you can advise on the best offer suited to your clients' needs. Head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash smancha. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash S-M-A-N-S-H-A.